Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Rotten Tomatoes is Wrong. I am your host for this week anyway, Mark Ellis. I am joined by... My esteemed co-host, uh, as always, the delightful, the um, the very the choosy, but she's making the right decisions when it comes to <laughs> the things that we talk about off camera, which range from sports to attraction. It, we, we talk about a lot of stuff here in the studio. That's Jacqueline Coley. Uh, next to her is uh, a star in her own right. Uh, her movie comes <laughs> out, has been out now on, on video on demand for a little bit now after a great theatrical run and doing a lot of the festivals, all that circuit. Always Lola's the movie. She's the co-founder of the World Girls Empire. She's one of my dear friends. Roxy Stryer is here. Yeah. And uh, this is just so exciting that we get to talk about a movie that really is just a bunch of fluff and and cake and and nothing too deep. So now we get to know each other a little bit more. Mm-hmm. My first time seeing this movie. I did it just for the show, just for you guys. You're welcome. Yeah, this was your first time seeing New Year's Eve, the 2011 classic? The classic. It was my first time and I will say it shocked me. <laughs> it, it, it truly shocked me. It was a wild experience. It was a surprising film for Roxy. We're going to get into our thoughts about that. Now, again, this is part of the, I guess you could say, trilogy of Gary Marshall holiday movies that, you know, Gary Marshall, the legendary director who, you know, at the tail end of his career is just, I like working with a, with these people and mm. we don't need a big premise. We're just going to make a lot of storylines out of this, whether it's on Valentine's Day, which was the first one. And then we got New Year's Eve. And yep. then a few years later, we got Mother's Day. And so we have this trilogy of movies that are just, it's kind of like Love Actually, where it's just a bunch of storylines all going zigging and zagging and all over the place. And where did it land? 7% rotten. Yeah. 7% on the tomato meter. Now, again, for those of you listening to maybe this show or watch us for the first time, welcome. The tomato meter goes up to 100. So 7 out of 100, not the best. And it did do better with the audience. Mm. It's 45%, which is still rotten. There's no freshness anywhere for any of these movies on the tomato meter or the audience score. The highest that we get is 47% for the audience score of Valentine's Day. Yeah. So, Roxy, let me ask you, because I know Jacqueline has, either by her own free will or her job, has had to see all three of these movies. Yes. Have you seen any of these? Did you see Valentine's Day or Mother's Day? No, which is kind of bizarre for me because I tend to like for lack of better words, trash. Mm. And that's what I had heard was going on with this trilogy. And uh, this trilogy, you know, there's Star Wars. All the great, Mm. you know, there's Back to the Future and then there's The Holidays. Amazing trilogy. But I love Love Actually. And that's what, when you think about the posters for these movies, if you were ever sitting at a bus stop, you would look up and just see the star-studded cast of these. (laughs) And it is enticing because you look and you're like, those are 17 of my favorite actors of all time, all in the same movie. 
I think that I just never ended up seeing them because probably the tomato meter. Is this the lowest ranking movie you guys have ever done on the show? No, we've done like a zero, haven't we? We've done. There's a zero? We might have done a couple zeros, but I, gee. It's been a while. It's getting down to 7% is impressive. Like th- <laughs> that's actually a feat of strength in, yeah. in some weird through the looking glass kind of way. It's, yeah. it's very, especially when you talk about the star power involved with this movie. Like, I'm just going to read some names for you kids, okay? Uh, let's start with Halle Berry, Jessica Biel, Abigail Breslin, Ludacris, Matthew Broderick, Robert De Niro, Josh Dumel, Hector Elizondo, Carrie Always, Carl Gugino, Catherine Heigl, Ashton Kutcher. It goes on and on and on. And it lands with, of course, John Bon Jovi's in it. So that's why when, back when, when Christian Harloff and I were doing Schmoes, no, we saw this movie because we were going to review it. Mm. And also it had JBJ in it. And I support any film endeavor John Bon Jovi does, whether it's vampires or whether it's the classic. And I mean that actual classic Young Guns 2. Yeah. I mean, Young Guns 2, obviously. How many Oscar winners we have on here? We have Hallie. We have... I think see. there's four Oscar winners. Is there winners? four Oscar winners on here? Yeah, because we have we have Hallie. We have... Hillary Swank. Find Hillary the Swank. Oscar winners. Yes. I'm like, Hillary Swank. <laughs> Did Michelle Pfeiffer ever win anything? She was nominated for an Oscar, but I don't believe she's won. And Robert De Niro has won one. You're forgetting a musical one. Two musical ones, actually. What? Because Common won John an Oscar. Whisper. Yes. And John Bon Jovi was nominated, nominated for an Oscar. That's correct. For, this for must Young have Guns too. Right? Yeah. No? What's that? John Lithgow never won anything? No. He, I mean, a lot of these people should have. Abigail Breslin was nominated. John yeah. Lithgow should have been nominated so for Best it's... Supporting Actor in Orange County. You yeah. haven't seen that movie? Brian, put it on the list for next year. <gasps> Producer oh Brian's going to put Orange County, the comedy. Orange County cla- it, it's, it's really funny. Um, this movie is like a comedy. It's a drama. It's got a little bit of everything. And so, you know, I sit down to watch this and I'm kind of like ready to get wrapped up in one of the storylines, if not multiple, because I forgot a lot of the goings on. All I knew is that it took place primarily in Times Square on New Year's Eve. We go so many different places from there, which we'll get into with movie talk. But let me start with our esteemed guest, Roxy Stryer. Uh, 7% on the tomato meter. Is Rotten Tomatoes wrong? You know, I've probably been a guest on the show with you two 20 times. And this you're is, a fan favorite. This is the first time that <laughs> I had to send Mark a text message that said, holy guacamole. <laughs> like, what did you guys just have me watch? That being said, you cleaned up your language yeah, for the show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I texted him guacamole and he was like, gee willikers, uh, for sure. But, the, you know, I, okay. I personally think that anything that is well lit that you can hear should be at least a 20%. Because this, there was, uh, the amount of extras in this movie alone each deserve a, a one one millionth of a percentage, which would put us up to 20%. Making movies is hard. It's yep. very difficult. But that being said, because we know how the tomato, tomato meter works, and we know that that means that 7% of the people actually liked this movie. <laughs> it's kind of, a, I mean, astounding that it has that high of a percentage. But I think this is a little too low only because I had such a good time with it. Okay. Wow. Okay. I, I will say, look, a, a couple times my heartstrings, my cold dead heart may have been tugged at. It mm. may have, like... My heart wasn't, my cold dead heart wasn't awoken by this movie, but occasionally it snored and it like kind of shivered like it had a dream. So it's not snored, Mark. Well, okay, look, it I was does, having a it's conversation. It's a tearjerker a little bit. You and Jacqueline, you and I were talking about how good it feels to have a good cry. Yeah. And I pointed out that I haven't had a good cry in like five years. And I, and I, don't, I can help with that. I, I'm sure you, I, I need somebody <laughs> in my life that's going to help. Like I need a, just a good, and this got me close a couple times, but I don't think it's the movie. I think it's just because I haven't actually cried 
in so long that I see Robert De Niro in like a hospital bed. And I'm just like, it's just a, you know, there's so much water backed up in my eyes that something's got to come out. Do you feel, because I feel like Rotten Tomatoes is pretty dead on with 7%. I feel bad saying it. No, it's right. It's absolutely right. Also, (laughs) as as a person that saw this movie, like we just recently did Son-in-Law where we were talking about like your run of Polly Shore movies. Mm-hmm. I had a run of Gary Marshall movies, which are movies that don't ask much of you, but they're really fun. They're family friendly. I mean, I this guy, you, you know what I mean? These are blue sky type cinema. And I do enjoy blue sky cinema because the world is dark. And I watch dark movies all the time. This was the movie that made me be like, you know what, Gary? Let it go. Let it go. Just... I- I think at this point in his career with Gary Marshall, it's like I, I I appreciated that he's making movies like this, you know, at that stage where I don't necessarily want to see like Labor Day directed by David Fincher. Like, I don't yeah, need yeah, that yeah, kind yeah. of movie. Sometimes we just want to put on stuff that it, look, there's a reason why Cotton Candy is very popular at the State Fair. Yeah, It's just nice and fluffy and it's fun to put in our mouths and we do feel a little sick afterwards. But we knew that was going to happen going yeah. into it. And, and we knew this was going to happen. Not this bad. But there is something impressive about the fact that it did cause each of us to have an extreme reaction. Like, it was not a boring movie. You didn't watch this and think like, ah, snooze fest, despite the fact that your your heart apparently was snoring. I don't think you were snoring. You know, that there was... My jaw was actually on the ground for some of this. I had my little (laughs) sister watch this with me, and she was like, why would you ever do that to me? Halfway through, she said, this is horrible. But by the end, I looked over, I swear to you, she was crying. She was crying. And I honestly felt it, too, because you, for some reason, you're invested in these characters, probably because you know the actors and probably because you love the actors, like you with the Robert De Niro one. It is sad to see him in a hospital bed. That's Robert De Niro. It's Robert De Niro. That's yeah. the problem with this movie is the movie rests so much of what works on it on the charisma of its leads and the fact that it was a TikTok movie before TikTok because we're just cutting from scene to scene. And so it's sort of like episodic in the sense that you're like, well, I need to know what happened with this one. And you know they're all connected. So you're just waiting till the moment that you figure out that this person knows that person and this person used to bang that person. Like, you're just waiting for it. That sounds like a very good critical review on the negative side of this movie. And so that's what we're going to transition into now. I'm not going to put the onus on Jacqueline or Roxy to actually give us a synopsis. Can you you guys think of a storyline that you want to give a synopsis for? Robert De Niro nearly dies. Okay. Uh, Catherine Heigl <laughs> is insufferable, starting the trend of her doing that in film. And Halle Berry literally plays a nurse, which I was like, you're going to get Halle Berry. Like, that nurse gets wifed up in year one. There's not a doctor that lets that nurse just be a nurse. That's very fair. Sarah Jessica Parker is Cinderella. And her daughter is learning the tragedy that is teenagehood. Oh, yeah. Very good storylines. I will simply say on top of that that Hillary Swank has a ball to drop and we're not sure if it's going to happen. And Ludacris is clearly supposed to be her lover. Why are we playing? Like, that bothered me. I forgot. (laughs) What was Seth Meyers? was in it, but he didn't have a romantic He's having pregnancy. a baby. No, no, yeah, he's had, he's had yeah. the pregnancy. That's but what it was. then he gives away $25,000 because he felt bad. Yeah. He won that fair and square. That was ridiculous. And that was yeah. before he got the, the late night hosting gig. So yeah. not sure <laughs> he if was they had to, a lot of funds to spare there. Trying um, to pay the bills. We the are going to turn it over to our buddy who pays the bills by being our expert review curation manager here at Rotten Tomatoes. He is Tim Ryan. And this is a segment where Tim's going to tell us what the critics were saying 
at the time of the release of New Year's Eve, given that tomato meter, I have a feeling I know which way this is going. Two minutes with Tim. Two minutes with Tim. Over his long and distinguished career, director Gary Marshall wasn't necessarily a critical darling. But movies like Beaches, Pretty Woman, and The Princess Diaries remain popular favorites to millions of people. But give him a secular holiday, a bunch of movie stars, a whole lot of cliches, and a big dollop of schmaltz, and critics are in a less than celebratory mood. New Year's Eve, which we are discussing today, is rotten at 7% on the tomato meter with 142 reviews, and it has a 45% audience score. And just for comparison, Valentine's Day from 2010 is rotten at 18%, and Mother's Day from 2016 is rotten at 8%. So what did the critics have to say? In a rotten review, Lisa Kennedy of the Denver Post wrote, The only thing that can inspire more cynicism than a holiday's coerced emotions may be a film that both exploits and celebrates said emotions. However, in a fresh review, Owen Gleiberman of Entertainment Weekly called it a movie I often found myself laughing at in ridicule and one that also gave me a lump in the throat. So I guess you could say I had a good time. The Rotten Tomatoes critics' consensus reads, Shallow, sappy, and dull, New Year's Eve assembles a star-studded cast for no discernible purpose. So that's New Year's Eve. And I want our listeners to know that if the movies have any predictive powers, then we can expect 2024 to be just like A Boy and His Dog, The 13th Floor, and Highlander 2, The Quickening. That was great, That was great. I like the predictive future of, of the 2024s that we've already witnessed. What I like more, and I think it tickled Roxy's funny bone as well, is Tim's line, a dollop of schmaltz. It's more than a dollop. Like you're at a confection store, you're getting your ice cream, and it's just, oh, would you like a dollop? Like, I feel like that's something Willy Wonka or an Oompa Loompa would offer us. And that's the right word for it, sappy. Yep. Sappy. Yep. Yep. Nothing wrong with some sap. I'll take the tree and I'll tap it. Give me all the sap. <laughs> hey, I don't. I, and by the way, I'm the intended audience for this. movie. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like this. Was, you read a lot of those. I uh, dare I say a dollop of of schmaltz and a heaping helping of schmutt. Seedy. Yeah. yeah. Smut with, with those and, romance yeah, novels you read. Smut and schmaltz are like, I'm with it. I'm so with it. But this one, I need more. And unfortunately, I do feel this was the cast where the names got too unwieldy. Like the amount of names got too unwieldy. I was going to, I have a point to make on that. And that's why we have movie talk. That's why we have a whole section dedicated to, you know, actually talking about the movie, something that producer Brian cleverly titled Movie Talk. <laughs> Not to take Brian's shine away, but that's actually Producey Lucy came up with movie talk. So, yeah. Producey Lucy. Yep. She's doing great. We love our some Lucy. We love our some Brian. Uh, not so much New Year's Eve, but <laughs> the thing. Speak that, for yourself. Like, okay, this was your first time seeing it. Yes. Okay. Um, because uh, I saw it in the theater. Jacqueline, did you have to see this? Did you see it in the theater? Because no, you thought I, it might be in your wheelhouse. No, no, I did not see this one in the theater because this one was definitely early Rotten Tomatoes days, and how bad it was definitely scared me away from it. Okay, uh, yeah. In the theater, but I definitely watched it immediately when it came home, and it was like, no. Also, 2011 was a weird time for me. It's one of you ever have those those years where you're just like, I know I didn't watch movies at this time. What was going on? Let's get into it. (laughs) I'm not going to talk about that boy. (laughs) We're not going to talk about that boy. I just wanted to hear the sentence end with boy. That's all I'm not going to talk about that boy. But there was there was moments. (laughs) I do go through periods in my existence and my career where like I really want to go see a movie every week, and then there's other times when like even during and it kind of was nice that it coincided with the the actors and writers and us being on strike. But it's like I didn't feel like I saw Barbie and I saw Oppenheimer, and then I was like I'm going to go get invested in movies again. Mm. Once the strikes are over, 
and once Always Lola comes out on VOD. So those were my two kind of benchmarks. <laughs> but back in this time in 2011, Roxy, I was seeing movies three, four, five times a week, partially because of schmoes and partially just because I just loved going to the movies and eating popcorn. And so this one, I wasn't dreading it. You know, it had enough. That's the thing about these movies. They have so many stars in them that you're bound to hit three or four that you really like as a viewer. So was there any optimism going into this viewing experience for you? Was it based on somebody in the movie or just based on the premise? I mean, of course, I I tried to be optimistic going in, but it has been over a decade since this movie came out, mm-hmm. and I have not heard one positive thing from anybody. <laughs> Maybe that's why I actually didn't despise my time watching it, because I thought it was going to be boring, lame, and instead... While we spent no more than five minutes with any character, there was no development done at all. The storylines were absolutely egregious, and I spent the entire time just trying to guess who ultimately was going to end up hooking up in the end, uh, only to be completely shocked when Michelle Pfeiffer gets dipped by uh, frat boy. Zac Efron. Efron. That was so rude to Zac Efron. I'm so sorry that I just blanked on him. Oh, I forgot about Zac Efron. Because he's such a little cutie. I can't even help myself in this. I was like, if I'm Michelle Pfeiffer, I'm fluttering. I'm I'm flying. If I'm Zac Efron, I'm fluttering. That's is, Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah, 100%. You're right. Michelle Pfeiffer is maybe the most beautiful woman that's ever lived. So Co-signed. Both of them. Although they had no chemistry and what was that kiss? Bizarre. Uh, but anyway, as I'm watching it, I'm invested in all of this. So going into it, I didn't have much hope and it actually passed my expectations of that 7%. Was there a character that stood out to me? The only one that I really feel like really touched me was Little Miss Sunshine. Abigail Breslin. Yep. Yeah, because relatable. I mean, you when we see her finally, she's defied her mother. She's gotten on the train. She goes to Times Square. Everybody's having an easy time now getting Times Square. her mom in the face. In the face. Didn't pick up her call. She said no. She gets there and she sees the guy she likes make it out with another girl. Brutal. I mean, been there. Devastating. And I honestly, in that moment, was like, okay, I get what this movie was going for. There's a little storyline for each person that you're supposed to relate to. And that was my one. I related to the the teen story. See, okay, you had an issue with uh, a couple of these. I just have a question. Where was this in Zac Efron's high school musical filmography. This was post high school musical. Okay. But the trilogy or yeah. like So he's growing out, he's growing okay. out of the high school musical That's thing. The and then only he, thing he, I he took to some roles. There was like that DJ movie he did that was just kind of ridiculous, like We oh, Are Your be- Friends or something like that. But before that he, he did, did seventeen. Seventeen again. That's where I want to know is where was this with seventeen again? Because it was, I think it was just after seventeen, if I'm not mistaken. But it was. But I, I yeah. actually, I I thought Zac Efron was one of the highlights of this movie. Yeah, that's what I was it. gonna say. He, so he wasn't the guy I was going in to the movie rooting for, but I just to see him kind of get out of the high school thing just a little bit and be somebody who's now. It felt like this was this guy's first time on his own in in his life in the the character's life, and so he was making some decisions that maybe he wouldn't have made six months, a year, two years ago, yes. in, back when he was in high school. And and so that was kind of cool. And yeah. I love Michelle Pfeiffer being happy. Yeah, uh, but the most egregious moment of the entire movie had to do with him. I th- couldn't believe that this was something that actually took place. He's on the phone with his homie, yeah. probably Ashton Kutcher, right? And <laughs> we haven't even talked about Leah Michelle on this movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the elevator <laughs> stuff. He's on the phone with Ashton Kutcher. And next to him, 
is Michelle Pfeiffer. I mean, they are like a stone's throw away. They are the distance between us right now. And he's on the phone and he's like, yeah, this girl is totally whack, you know? (laughs) And then she hears it and he's shocked. I mean, she is literally an arm's length away from him. And he was like, oh, I didn't know you heard that. She's in the same room. She's right there. What kind of a, that was the most bizarre direction choice I've ever seen. Just have have him not know she's there. He knew she was there. He took her there. He's looking at her. He says it. And then he's like, how'd you hear that? I was like, you gotta be kidding me. What just happened there? I give him credit because it was 2011. And, uh, you know, back then we were still screaming in our, in, in our phones. Like mm-hmm. we were just, we didn't have all the buds and all that stuff. No. So we were, we were talking, we were loud talkers back in the day. On he those cell phones, yeah. She would have heard if he was whispering. She was right there. I but agree. That, he dropped the ball. But that was also back when like, that was like not a rarity, but enough of a rarity. Back in 2007 mm-hmm. was when we got the iPhone, right? Yeah. That was enough of a rarity at that time. And then this was be... 2011, so you should, know, like, I think we did yeah. some Blackberries by then. Yeah. But that was one of the more memorable storylines, I would say, is, is the Zac Efron-Michelle Pfeiffer dynamic. And the thing that ended up bothering me about this movie the most, ironically, Jacqueline, you touched on it, is that there's too many storylines. There's too many things. It, yeah. It's almost like... It's like a spoiled kid at Christmas. You you come downstairs and you're looking at the, and there's just too many presents. Like you, yeah. you're not you're never going to feel attachment to any of these presents because there's so much crap. There's so many. I don't need this many famous people. I think that's the genius of a movie like Love Actually, which I've made fun of and criticized certain storylines because they're very ridiculous. But I think Love Actually has just the right amount of different things going on to connect. It's perfect. Whereas this, it's just it's like trying to one up love actually with more storylines and more stars and it got to be the point where I can't it might have been William Michelle and it just might have been the time of the movie but I could not stomach one more famous person coming in here and having yet another storyline that I had to keep track of my brain and then I think it was her showing up in the elevator I'm like this is too many A-listers god damn it professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting, but Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select Podcast in the survey, and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. So this is the thing that I can appreciate now watching this movie is I know how this movie gets made the way that it gets made is these are all New York actors. And when they said, hey, <laughs> we're going to film this in New York, 
You can go home to your kids every night. Mm -hmm. It's going to be like Valentine's Day, so you're going to be a part of a movie with other likable people. Look, we got Halle Bailey already on it. We got Robert De Niro already on it. We got these other people on it. Then they all join. They're not saying no to Gary Marshall. You know what I Well, it's not just Gary Marshall. It's the other people that sign on. I guarantee you the first person he gets to say yes is Robert De Niro. Maybe shortly after that, he gets Michelle Pfeiffer. Maybe Hillary Swank. He gets your Oscar contenders. You know what I mean? Which, by the way, producer Brian did tell me John Lithgow was nominated. Ah, okay, because you both rolled your eyes at me, and I feel like I, I was didn't pretty, know that. I said he should have been nominated for Orange County. Sadly, he was not. It what was, was he nominated? Terms of Endearment and The World According to Garp. <sighs> that World According to Garp. So he that's had a good, a good run, run there. That is a good run there. And no. he's still going. But that's my whole point is that the the idea that like once you get those people to sign on, other people are willing to mm-hmm. sign on to it. It did get a bit unwieldy. I went and checked. Uh, Valentine's Day has about half of this cast. And they're all intertwined. And the other thing I will say about the Valentine's Day cast, just comparing it to this one, these are all great people. Not necessarily the personalities that you're thinking of when you're thinking of people like (laughs) Jamie Foxx, people like Jennifer Garner, people like Topher Grace, people like Anne Hathaway. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. These were names at the time that not were just popular. People loved them. People obsessed about them. And people had that sort of like internet boyfriend energy. These are all more established people that we like. But I love Carla Gugino. I don't know if I'm, like, rushing to see every movie that she's in. But you tell me that there's a movie with Jamie Foxx, I'm going to go see it. Yeah, I kind of feel you on that. And I absolutely understand how it was made. I mean, I would have cut off my arm to be in a movie with any of these individuals. Sure. Like, So I, why wouldn't you sign on to it? And it's not like being in this movie demoed their careers. It's not like after this, Robert De Niro was having a hard time getting work and he no. just didn't know what to do. But I actually, going back to what you were talking about, Mark, where there's so many names on here— That wasn't the most egregious thing to me. The most egregious part to me was what they did with those people. Like, for example, the I'm sorry, I know we love John Bon Jovi here and I I don't want to say anything. And his his performance was really fine. He did a (laughs) totally fine job with it. His performance was really fine. Yeah, no, (laughs) you know, he did actually a decent actor. So I think that he was better in U571. Yes. Right. But he's fine. He's totally he did a fine job. But Catherine Heigl, the the whole premise of their storyline is that he treats her like crapola. Mm-hmm. He leaves her after proposing to her. And then he gets her this job that he doesn't tell her that he gets. She thinks she's done it on her own merit. <laughs> And she didn't. And then he says, I'll be with you forever. And we're supposed to be like, it's on like Donkey Kong. Yeah, we're in on this. That It was every storyline was like that. Like, I'm not rooting for you guys to be together. So that's an issue. Same thing with Michelle Pfeiffer and Zac Efron. Zac Efron was a, a complete D-bag the entire time to her <laughs> behind her back. And then at the end, kisses her and is like, now it's all better, right? And she's like, yay, I got all my accomplishments. <laughs> like every single th- single storyline, even the uh, Sarah Jessica Parker storyline where it's like, okay, so you didn't want your kid going out, but now you were like, actually, it's getting close to midnight, so I should go meet up with that man that I gave my number to a year ago wow. and just let my kid gallivant <laughs> around as a teenager after midnight, even though I didn't want her out before midnight. And then she's there and and it's like, oh, but we're happy because she changed out of the clogs. Like, what are we talking about? It, it wasn't the who was in it. It was the the storylines that they asked us to root for were unrootable, inrootable. 
absolutely not rootable. There was no rooting for any of the things that were going on. I was like, give me something. Give me somebody that I want this love story, that I want them to get together, that I want them to succeed in whatever way. And for an entire movie to be called New Year's Eve and us to not deal with resolutions at all. Like, what about talking about being a better person? Are any of you guys going to talk about what you want to do next year? Instead, you guys had a bucket list for this year. That's not what New Year's <laughs> Eve is. That this that was just a delightful. I see this upset you. <laughs> well, you yeah. just carve out that minute and <laughs> yeah. a half, and that's pretty much what the 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 you know the premise of this show was. This is that's the promise that the show just lived up to. Yeah. Thank you for giving me that time, that moment, that soapbox, because I really genuinely had feelings on this. <laughs> so I mean, again, I'm looking at at this, and I'm trying to think. Based to your point. Um, who was I actually rooting for? Were there people I actually cared about other than the fact that I liked them as famous people? Obviously, I'm rooting for John Bon Jovi to do whatever he wants to do with his life, okay? If he wants to go on tour and keep being a rock star, go ahead and do it. If he wants to cancel the tour so he can be with Katherine Heigl, knock yourself out, dude. <laughs> I want you to be happy. I was actually rooting for Hector Elizondo's character, Kaminsky, oh, yeah, yeah. because he's sort of the, I mean, look, he's what it all comes down to on New Year's Eve because there's a mechanical malfunction with the ball, as all the high school boys snicker, including myself, <laughs> and we can't get the ball to go up, can't get the ball to drop. So, and this is kind of Hillary Swank's, like, whole, her whole job, her whole career has been building up to this moment, so you really got to stick the landing. So we call this one guy, Kaminsky, Elizondo, who gets in there and he's the only electrician in the whole city who's going to know how to figure out what's wrong. Semi-retired. He's got to find the one light. He gets in there and you think it's going to be like this intense Leap the Weapon 3 opening, get, cut the right wire. See, and he just kind of goes in there and fixes it and it's pretty much a piece of cake and <laughs> yeah. we don't really sweat it after that. Um, the I, I can't really think of any other storyline I mean, not that De Niro. I De Niro. De Niro is the only he, one. But, okay. I cared about him and I teared up about him because he's basically this old man who, I'm sorry, Roxy, he may not have to make any resolutions. Let's put it that yeah. way. And it turns out that he is the father of Hillary Swank's character. Yeah. And he's been a pretty crummy dad. So that's why I didn't care about him as much as the movie went on is because he was not the best dad up to that point. Oh, and that's like a, that's a mortal sin for you. That is a mortal sin for Mark Ellis. You don't want to be a dad, but bad no. dads are the ones that you will crucify well, I, I over anybody. I just don't think that you get, <laughs> if your daughter wants to come and watch the ball drop with you on your deathbed, fine. But it's like, you don't deserve that. A hundred percent. I was not rooting for him. We hear him sit down with Halle Berry, who for some reason he thinks is his. See, this is what I'm saying. Y'all didn't tell me why I was rooting for him. I was rooting for him because of Halle Bailey, uh, because of Halle Berry. Because if you know anything about Robert De Niro, I think the reason why Robert De Niro signed up for this movie is yep. Gary Marshall said, you will get to act next to Halle Berry. And if you don't know Robert De Niro's dating history, I think that's the reason why he signed up. So that was the reason why I was rooting for him. That I was you rooting root for, him. for him? Not him, the character. <laughs> root for Robert De Niro. Like, I'm not rooting for his character. I'm yeah. rooting for Robert De Niro getting to flirt on screen with Halle Berry for the entire runtime of this movie. That is what I was rooting for. I think that's for. completely fair. And you know what? As we were watching it, I was thinking to myself, you know how sometimes you'll play that game that's like six degrees of separation and you're trying to connect two different actors? And I was thinking, I'm going to remember this moment that Robert De Niro and Halle Berry are in this death scene on his deathbed right yeah. now because this will help connect all the actors that have ever been. Yeah. I am not above saying that I think that Gary Marshall might have had a bad experience in the mid-2000s playing the popular game Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon. I think <laughs> wow. he probably, maybe he lost to Penny Marshall and he was mad about it. So he said, God damn it, I'm going to make not just one, 
I'm going to make a trilogy of movies that have literally every famous person in them ever. So I never have to lose six degrees of Kevin Bacon again because you're finding all the degrees in this movie. I mean, I forgot about some other people in this. uh, Amari Stoudemire's in this one. That's the other thing that that is in this one. But yeah, no, the Halley. He was playing for the Knicks at the time. That's what I'm saying. They just got people in New York. Other thing about this movie, you could just tell how it was a Frankenstein shoot. Like, you can tell Halley and Robert De Niro were together, but so many people in this movie, they were never near each other. All the phone calls. Like, it's just, (laughs) these people never spoke to each other. They didn't even know each other. They probably didn't even meet each other at the premiere. I feel like there's more stunt casting in this one. Yes. Because in Valentine's Day, the stunt cast was, at the time, Taylor Swift. It was like, yes. oh, Taylor Swift is like her first, I think it was her first theatrical her movie. Her first big theatrical movie, yeah. And it was, her, it was the Taylors. It her was and the Taylor Taylors, yeah. And this one, it, even though it's more established actors, it just, it felt like... Who's in New York that can say yes? Everybody <laughs> is there. And I think the promise that Gary made them all when they were cast is you do not have to study your lines at all. You can literally look at this the day of. Make it up. And mm-hmm. that's how you separate, you know, John Bon Jovi. Uh, he can be a pretty good actor versus the Robert De Niro who can do an Oscar caliber role in his sleep. Oh, and they wanted to make sure we got Matthew Broderick and Sarah and Jessica Parker to do their first movie together since maybe the 80s. I don't know that they... Didn't they do a movie together in the 80s? Uh, they they might have done a movie in the 80s, but it was kind of fun seeing Matthew Broderick's character show up, I knowing so that Sarah Jessica Parker's in the movie already. And they're married, yeah. yeah. I mean, I just figured that that was like a part of the... the I'm, I'm thinking of the pitches for this because this is the movie that happened that eventually led to... the. Remember the movie 43? Remember that movie? Movie no. 43? Yeah. Uh, it was this team-up comedy movie that literally got everyone from like Richard Gere to Chris Pratt, Hugh Halle Jackman, Berry, Kate Hugh Jack- What year are we talking? Uh, the, around this time. 2012, 2013. Yeah, but it was basically a bunch of uh, short vignettes yes. that were all meant to be comedic. So this. <laughs> meant being the keyword. The, the, the movie 43 was trying to be raunchy. Yes. And like, and just like, like kind of gross out. It was never about finding the heart or finding the good in things or yeah. like having these these all these tentacles kind of wrap up cutely. It was just about, here's the... And they had nothing to do with each other. Yeah. So it was like, here's 10 minutes of Hugh Jackman and he's got balls on his chin. Yeah. Here's 10 minutes of Richard Gere doing whatever. Here's 10... So that, that's... Yeah. It's, it's, it's... I think that might be 0%. But these <laughs> movies killed that. Mm-hmm. This was like back when these producers could tell these lies to get these people to sign up for it. Be like, <laughs> it's just two days. Yeah, Come yeah. in, do your thing. But that this is part of it. How easy can you make it for the stars? Shoot it in New York. And then also, who else is in it that where if this is embarrassing, they'll be embarrassed too. I need another moment from you guys, if if you will. Uh, get back on that soapbox. I got to yeah. talk to you guys about Leah Michelle in this movie. <laughs> I, I just want to go down this path for a so second. So she's because- stuck in an elevator with Ashton Kutcher. And that's, that's how for about half the movie. Yes. But she is a backup singer to John Bon Jovi. Mm-hmm. And what happens to Leah Michelle in this movie is that she drops a bracelet in the elevator that we never reference that has no relevance <laughs> to absolutely anything. She then is out of the elevator and is able to somehow make it to Times Square in time for what she needed to do, the backup singing. Okay. Meanwhile, Ashton Kutcher, who's been stuck on an elevator for hours, gets right back on the elevator that he was just stuck on (laughs) with 50 more people. (laughs) Absolutely ridiculous. Okay, but let's follow Leah Michelle still. So then Leah Michelle does get there and she's like, oh, but it's just such a bummer because I want to be the star of the show. Hmm. Somehow Ashton Kutcher gets through John Bon Jovi's security and gets there and is able to kiss her because... 
he's the drummer. He makes up that he's the drummer. Nobody ID'd him. He goes through all of Times Square. Okay, great. Still with you guys. Mm-hmm. He gives her this bracelet and he's like, because I know that this could mean something. Balance. All right. Ridiculous premise. <laughs> Fine. Still with you guys. She gets on stage and she's backup singing. The thing that she's there to do. Okay, still with you guys. John Bon Jovi leaves the show. He leaves the show, and somehow what they say is, you know your new backup singer? Actually, she's going to perform on New Year's (laughs) Eve. Everybody who came here to see you, no, it's fine. Just leave in the middle of your show to go make out with a girl that you left because after you proposed to her, you were too much of a D-bag to actually stay with her. So then somehow, Rachel Berry, Leah Michelle, gets on stage and sings. She's the singer of the show. At midnight. At midnight. Asinine. Asinine. Like, uh, you guys had me. You had me. You had me. She's the star of the show. She got, and she's like, and I did it. Who, everybody with thrown tomatoes, rotten tomatoes. Get off the stage. Who are you? You backup singer. I've been standing out in the cold in the seven degree temperature, the same as the rotten tomato score of this movie for 15 hours. Like, just, and everybody's like, Yay! They were a very supportive New York crowd. You don't know New Yorkers if you think that that was even close to how they would have reacted to this no-name balance bracelet girl. Just that was ridiculous. I mean, you can go. You don't have to go any further than ask Amari Stoudemire how New York fans yeah. feel when they feel like they're not getting the product that they expected that they paid for and on the, ball the is broken or on the stage. And yes. the ball is broken. And the ball's broken. Uh, it's I a faulty ball. The one thing I do know from this movie, and I do remember it, it was partially paid by the New York Tourism Board. Oh. <laughs> okay. That is an aspect of this movie yeah. that's interesting, and I think yeah. it's well done, huh. and, and I'm sure there's a bunch of footage that yeah. they actually shot on yeah. New Year's. They, they might even film some scenes the I mean, day they, of yeah, leading they, up to they New they Year's. probably, yeah, filmed it, captured it or whatever, or like took it from like Dick's Rocking Eve, right, like, like right. captured the B-roll from that and then put it in there. But yeah, this was partially paid by the New York Tourism Board because this is this is not like... Post 9-11, that was 2011, but it was still in that, like, New York wasn't coming back from the financial crisis Ten-year time. anniversary. Yeah. Housing crisis just happened. Yeah. We had no such thing as, as COVID or anything like that yeah. yet. So the question is, does a movie like this make you feel like you want to go to New York to see the ball drop in Times Square more? No. Or less? It was never really a thing that I ever wanted to do. And I feel like as I become more curmudgeonly with every passing month and year that I like to do less things. And I don't think that New York and watching the ball drop is going to be one of them because I'm watching this movie and I just see all these storylines and I don't really see myself in any of these storylines. So I'm like, I don't think that I need to be a guy who watches the ball drop. I hate this about myself, but this made me want to go more because what I know as somebody who grew up uh, in Boston, which is three and a half hours away from New York City, what I know is that I have plenty of friends who have gone there that wear diapers because you cannot leave to go pee, that it is below freezing. They are shaking, crying. They're so cold. I know the reality of waiting there is miserable. But watching this, they were also happy. No. They were all like, you know what? That was a beautiful speech, Hillary Swank. Thank you for telling us that this is the reason the ball is broken is so that we can all reflect on our lives and take this pause. And I was like, that is really, really beautiful. This is maybe this is romanticized New Year's Eve, New York City in a way that is not real. And if this was the experience, then I would go. If it, it looked like it was about 40 degrees. All right, great. I can stand 40 degrees. I can stand there and, and just lovey-dovey with my friends. So, yeah. <laughs> I, it made me want to go more. I don't think it's real. 
It's not okay, so it's not real, but you want to go to that idealized. Do not world. give me that look right now. Have you been to Times Square for New Year's Eve? No. Jacqueline? First of all, Times Square is amateur hour. Like it is <laughs> amateur hour. They have an Olive Garden. Anybody out? Yes, they have an Olive Garden. They don't even have a TGI Fridays anymore. Close. Ah, oh, R.I.P. I used to yeah, eat there. Yeah, close. Yeah. No, <laughs> it is amateur hour. The only version of New York Times Square that I could do is the bougie version where you get somebody's hotel room or park or or, or, I'll do that or, with or you. apartment yeah. that overlooks the ball that you could be at their bougie little party to overlook the ball drop and wave to the peasants and like not be anywhere near like still be inside a domicile that is not related to that insanity. Ryan, how's our budget looking for next year? Because <laughs> I feel like we close out. We'll talk about either Mother's Day or Valentine's Day. We'll have Roxy on as the guest. Will the four of us will all go in not on any of our dimes on like a nice you know, get get some high-rise hotel yeah. that overlooks the ball. That's the way to do New York. Because you know what you can do in your hotel room or what I could do in the comfort of my own home that I can't do it at Times Square is I can just walk to the fridge and get a beer. Yeah. And I don't know what the concession situation is like. That's what it all boils down to. I'm happy wearing the, the, the diaper, okay? No, you're not. I'm happy wearing a diaper. Not after you use it. I'm going to I'm gonna be a, 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 some liquid courage up by then. I need to know where I can get hot dogs. I need to know where I can get like a beer or so. They do have vendors down there, but it's like going to like Woodstock 99. It's like $200 for, you know, to eat the food. Look, the Macy's Day Parade, that sort of thing, like the outdoor adventures, like I'm not mm-hmm. about it. Also, I will say this. There are a ton of amazing New York New Year's Eve movies that just pummel this one, including one of my all-time favorites, The Apartment. There's also 200 Cigarettes. There's just so many other different ways to do New Year's Sleepless Eve. Sleepless in Seattle. Sleepless in Seattle. But they're and, not called New Year's Eve, so when you type it in, it might not necessarily show up. And, this is for lazy people. And, and like, as a person who is actually a fan of not New Year's Eve as most people celebrate it, but New Year's Eve the way I celebrate it at home with friends, like doing it my own sort of way, any movie that doesn't talk about how awful this holiday is really deeply— <laughs> does not really, should not be called it. And there's like people that are kind of- explain yourself. Like this movie- You hate New Year's Eve? It's amateur hour. It is amateur hour. It is not a night for people that are good with drinking, driving, or socializing. It is a night for amateurs who only need, who need designated holidays to tell them when to do things. I'm not saying that Baby, like, I'm an amateur then. I love me some New Year's Eve. And uh, you're not the only one. In fact, our <laughs> well, previous- Well, what is it about New yeah. Year's Eve that, that you, because we've heard Jacqueline's um, sort of reasons for keeping it on the shelf as far as your favorite holidays go. What is it about New Year's Eve that inspires Roxy? Why do you get up for this night? Yeah. Is it is it the 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 promise of the future that we didn't really get to talk about much in this movie? Yeah, I don't think it's for amateurs, although respect everything that you believe. Uh, <laughs> I mean, no, no, I shouldn't say everyone who goes out on New Year's Eve is an amateur, but there's a lot of amateurs out on New Year's I Eve. I definitely hear you. And, you know, there's always going to be like that frat star mentality of the person who's trying to kiss somebody at midnight because they think that that will somehow be... I don't know, big points for them, brownie points. But for me, as somebody who is single and lives alone, I love any excuse to celebrate. And Mm. this one especially (laughs) focuses on being a better version of yourself, or at least that's what it's supposed to focus on. Now, do I think that our society is hysterical, that what you do the day before you're about to start your resolutions is get out and get get absolutely plastered? Mm. Like the the ritual is, I'm going to get as drunk as I can, so tomorrow I wake up with a hangover to be the best version of me that I could ever be. It's ridiculous what we do. But at the same time, I love resolutions. I'm a big goal-oriented person. I love uh, my birthday for that reason. I love this holiday for that reason. Anything that's kind of a reset 
And going into a new year does bring promise, especially if you've had a crap previous year, whether it's a mental shift or what. I think that it also has no uh, religious affiliations, which for me coming after mm. Christmas is usually like, get me out of here. <laughs> get me out of here. Sorry, not that I I'm so happy anybody who loves Christmas, but it's just like, you know, we, it's as a Jewish person, yeah. you're like, I'm inundated with it. Yeah, mm -hmm. well, yeah. we don't live in a Christian nation and yet yeah. everything's shut down. So I'm like, I just wanted to go to CVS and get some <laughs> nail polish. Like, can be open? But anyway, you know, New Year's, everybody can celebrate it. It's mm. for it's, it's for, a non secular kind of like yeah. holiday where I, I do appreciate the resolution aspect of New Year's. Now, we can all agree New Year's Day should be January 2nd. Because for sure. yeah. what I do on New Year's Eve is, regardless of whether I had an early night or a late night, which I've done plenty of both in my career. Uh, then you wake up the next day, you order pizza, you watch nothing but college football bowl games all day, and then you figure out what your next year is going to be like. Mm. Before we get out of here, though, we talked about the movie enough. We probably talked about the movie more than anybody else has ever talked about the movie. In a positive in way, anyway. Including the folks making it while they were making it. Facts. Um, New Year's memories? Do we have, like, highlights, lowlights? What's been, like, a, a beautiful, a crazy, a nutty a nutty New Year's New Year's Eve. I kissed. Uh, I my first kiss was on a New Year's Eve. Okay. In high school, your first I, kiss I ever. First kiss ever. Yeah. Wow. And, and it didn't take place till like four a.m. Like I had to work, man. Um, so what happens after midnight in your soul? Are you thinking I blew it? No, no. We we weren't necessarily like like meant to be together. It okay. wasn't mm -hmm. like I'm going to this party for this girl so I can kiss her at midnight. It was just like everybody's hanging out, having a good time, and then we all finally pair off. Time to sleep in a bed, and it's like, well, I guess I I. I drew, I drew I drew you and uh, we're just like we were friends we were just talking and then like you know a kiss happened it was, you know good it was a good initiation to you know being a, an adult in a relationship um, but I also have gotten to ring in the New Year on stage a bunch and that's like cool. at the comedy store I was oh, there wow. you know um, last week and that's that's always fun you know whether it's amateurs or whether it's professional New Year's Eve partiers in the crowd it's always 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 a fun time uh, Jacqueline I think my favorite uh, New Year's Eve was the year that I spent in Thailand on my, and I think that I knew you when I yeah, was on those yep. trips. It was my single solo travel girl adventures. And I still, like, I love being in a couple um, with that man that lives in my house. But I will say, <laughs> like, going to Southeast Asia and, like, really, like, really traveling over there and, like, spending New Year's Eve, like, it was, like, it was literally, like, we took a, what do you call, like, those rickshaws out to the middle of nowhere and, like, it was just a bunch of partiers. It felt very Leonardo DiCaprio on the beach. Was it, I, like, their version of Burning Man or something like no, that? No, it was just really just, like, a bunch of, like, you know, people celebrating for the holiday and we all sort of made, it like, a beach New Year's Eve party, basically. You know what I mean? Like, it was very DIY and, and having that sort of adventure. Other thing I love about New Year's Eve, and I will a testament to this for sure. New Year's Eve has the better music because then you have What Are You Doing New Year's, New Year's Eve, um, that song and Old Lang Syne. Like, I feel like uh, they're Prince, better. Prince, 1999. Yeah, like, I feel like the New Year's Eve movie and the, the New Year's Eve music of the holiday music is the best music. Also secular, always fun. I just, I love New Year's Eve movies. You too, New Year's Day? You kind of squeeze in I there, love New Year's Day yeah, as well. Yeah. And then I like uh, several movies I like to watch uh, on New Year's Day. And also, that is when, in Britain, they call it Boxing Day. The day after New Year's uh, is Boxing Day. And they do lots of sales and lots of television shows that are just built for Boxing Day that sort of, like, wrap up the year. So I love year-in-review type stuff. And that's why we have college football ball games. Yeah. So it's, it's their season in review. Yeah. I appreciate you coming to me last because I had so much time to think about it and I am coming up completely blank regardless but you like to party because on I New love Year's. yeah that's the thing it's like 
Do I it's remember all my New Year's? such a great time. No, I, I have been, I've spent New Year's Eve in Los Angeles and New York and Boston. Uh, and all of the, every New Year, I've never had a bad New Year's Eve. None of them stand out. I just usually like to spend it with friends, having a few drinks, making some resolutions and calling it. Like it, that's really what every year looks like. It doesn't really matter. I've, I've been with different people. Sometimes I've had a nice little kiss. Sometimes I have not. <laughs> uh, and it, it doesn't really matter to me because it's the start of a new year. And that's kind of why I like it, not because of a one experience that I've had. You and I did New Year's together one time. You did? At, um, it was either the Mint or the Dime. I get them confused. During the pandemic, oh my gosh. when we couldn't do stand-up, I was doing those virtual stand-up oh. shows where I'd have some, you know, some fun folks open and then I'd do an hour of just material that I thought was funny, but there's no crowd there. And so I think producer Brian might have been involved in a couple of those, right? Um, doing the audio engineering, just like to, and so I live streamed. It wasn't just me performing. Oh, I remember myself. these live streams. I, I live yes. streamed, and like you know, you get hundreds of people watching because that's the entertainment. And so Roxy and and Steph Sabra of World yes. Girls Fame and this show, you guys came over because you your I place lived within at the time, walking distance of there at yeah, the time. So they walked yeah. over just in time for midnight, and like everybody like had had a nice cocktail, and like we did a Q and A. Roxy was, popped in; it was fun. That was nice. really yeah. nice because we hadn't seen each other in so long, and usually it was the pandy. Yeah, yeah it was. It's a good old pandy. The good old pandy. Uh, pandy yeah. Express. As I'm thinking about it, honestly, <laughs> I just really, really like this holiday. I really like this but holiday. But the movie, not so much. The movie, I don't think, did the holiday justice. It didn't have any of the things about the holiday that I liked. It, mm. it felt very chaotic and frenzied, which you can get on New Year's sometimes. But you usually, at least in this point, I would rather stay away from chaotic and frenzy. And, and, and frenzied, I like yeah. maybe a couple of Coors Lights and the Twilight Zone. Because they, mm. they, they on New Year's Eve they do a Twilight Zone marathon. They so do. Who does? I think it's USA. Your apartment. <laughs> I think it's and my apartment does. So and now and I just well I cut the cord, but now I have YouTube TV now and I still get all the stuff. As YouTube TV is By the not way, really the cord cutting, but they th don't sponsor us. But my God, YouTube TV is a godsend. YouTube TV is amazing also because unlimited downloads, so you can like DVR everything. They can't max out NFL your Sunday DVR. ticket, yeah. which maybe not that necessary for folks like Roxy and I this year, but. I can't, Mark. Oh, oh my God. You're not There's... loving the Mac Jones era? I'm sorry. Are there sorry, people so... loving the Mac I'm Jones sorry, era? Was... I mean, the fact that I watched a game with my family and everybody was booing when we actually were winning. <laughs> I mean, we, we're, we need that draft pick. Come on. I want y'all to get good. I want y'all to stay bad because I cannot allow the Bears to stay bad and take that top spot. Yep. And like, yep. I cannot allow Kay Williams to be in our division. While Jordan Love is still developing. It could happen. I'm, I, we're going to go to outro, but I want everybody to stick around because now that Roxy's sad and bitter about the New England Patriots, I got something that's going to cheer her up. Okay. Hit the music. No mailbag this week. You can email us anytime. RT is wrong at RottenTomatoes.com and let us know what movie should we be talking about. Do you want us to cover Valentine's Day? Do you want Brian to spring for a nice hotel suite, New York City, December 31st, so we can do our much-anticipated review of Mother's Day and we'll watch the ball drop as we do it. Um, subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff. I know uh, last week everybody was sharing what they listened to on Spotify and I've seen a lot of people say that Rotten Tomatoes is wrong is one of your favorite podcasts that you've listened to and oh, it's one wow. of the most listened to. I've gotten a lot of messages like that. So thank you all for continuing to support the show and letting us do what we love in this cool new home that we got to welcome Roxy into the new studio for the first time and what a month you had to close out 
2023. I know it was a long time coming and it was just a, the perfect storm of the strikes and all this stuff. But as somebody who got to see Always Lola on the festival circuit before it was available everywhere, y'all can VOD it now wherever you live. It's got to feel great to finally have this amazing product out there into the world. Yeah, I mean, honestly, first of all, Mark, you're just like the most supportive friend. And thank you for coming to that because it, it was... Where did it premiere at? We, we did a film festival circuit. So out here, we did a couple of them, Chinese theater. I'm back in Boston. I got nice. to do one Boston film festival with a bunch of my friends, which was really cool coming nice. through. Uh, but it was it's now available everywhere. And what was cool is because I've been hosting with you guys for a long time, guesting on here for Rotten Tomatoes. Everybody obviously talks about like what's the Rotten Tomatoes score, and and uh, it, because I've been a part of this place for so long, to actually be starring in a movie that then people are checking the Rotten Tomatoes score, hundred percent, yeah, yeah. as of this recording, it was really cool. It's like this little indie that could, and it's been my dream forever. And I just congrats, yeah. man. That's something to be really proud of. There's, I mean, Brett Ratner wish he could, man. <laughs> he wishes that he could. That's amazing. Is it nerve wracking seeing the movie at a a place like Boston, like where you know you have a bunch of friends and family coming to see it, or you know the movie's good. It's not like you have to perform that night. You already know what the movie is. No, it's so nerve-wracking because when I walked in, so it, there it was a theater of 150 people and all of them are people who know me and right. I walked in and they all started chanting, Lola, Lola. <laughs> and like, you know, the press is there, NBC is there, people are there and they're seeing all of my fratty friends out being like Lola as I'm walking in. I thought that I was going to die of embarrassment. Also, it was one of the greatest moments of my life. So it was really, really cool. But it is nerve wracking because you can't do anything about it. Mm -hmm. Like I, I shot that movie two years ago. If <laughs> if I, it, you know, when you're doing stand up, you can feel the crowd. And if they're not liking something, you can adjust. You can just shift gears. Yeah, you can't really you can do shift. that with a movie that's been. You just shot. hope they do. Otherwise, you have to sit for 90 minutes in a room with them as you feel them. So luckily, people do like it. I think they understand that this is a ultra low budget indie movie with a bunch of people who wanted to make a really heartfelt movie about mental health and about a coming of age movie about trauma and grief. And it has a really solid message to it. The actors, the the ensemble cast, uh, myself excluded from this, are just so effing talented that it was like, just, uh, I think that people saw what we were trying to do and they really felt something from felt it. Felt very breakfast clubby. Like you got Andrew Guy, Candace Cruz, who, who are both wonderful and talented. They've been on this show as well. So it's kind of like a Rotten Tomatoes is wrong <laughs> release as yeah. well. And, wow, uh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, you guys made the yeah. show. But the storylines <laughs> that are going on in your movie are actually like, they're, they're, they're good and you follow them and you care about these people. New Year's Eve does feel like that comedian who's on stage and is trying this bit and that's not working. So let's pivot to this. Let's <laughs> yeah. pivot to this. Let's pivot, pivot, pivot. Back to John Bajor. Still not movies. working. Uh, let's go here. Robert De Niro. We're sad. Uh, nothing's really working. Uh, there's a lot to talk about with this movie. And I think we covered most of it. And uh, always lovely. You can check that out on VOD. Um, wherever you are, you can uh, check that out now. Finally, enjoy it and let Roxy know. Let, let us know what you thought of the movie. And um, Jacqueline, what else we got going on? Next week, we're kind of TBDs. We're keeping yeah. it on the down low. Yeah, we just got back. So we got to figure out exactly what we're going to do for the year. But that's why you guys need to email us in. Let us know what we haven't covered. I mean, we, we're going deep this year. You never know. We could get deep cuts. We, what a great close of the year. I mean, you know, New Year's Eve is fun and we get to talk to Roxy. So we love that. But like the legend of Billy Jean was really yeah. cool. Son-in-law, we finally legend. got a Pauly Shore movie in here. Legend. Yeah. So let's let's have a big 2024, folks. And and whatever you're doing, whatever walk of life you're in, whether you watch, you listen to the show, thank you. And we got your back to whatever your New Year's resolution was. Don't quit the gym yet. It's only been a week. <laughs> you can take a rest day. It's okay. Yeah.
All right. That's Jacqueline Foley. That's Roxy Stryer. Brian Perez, our esteemed producer for the whole gang here at Rotten Tomatoes. I am Mark Ellis saying, well, I'll say goodbye in a minute, but also Portland, San Diego, Boston, a couple other uh, tour dates coming up soon. Thanks for listening to Rotten Tomatoes is Wrong. Thanks for watching us. We love you. Happy New Year. Happy New Year.